those who don't know, my name is Mark. I want to say welcome to Destiny Church this morning. Uh, I'm the campus pastor here. Man, if you're a first-time guest in this place, by the looks of it, it's a full house this morning. I'm assuming some of y'all are guests, and we want to say welcome. We're honored, blessed that you would decide to come worship with us. Church, how do we feel about our first-time guests? Hey, we uh, just jumped into a brand new series titled The Book of James. And so we decided a little less than a year ago, we felt like what would be most beneficial for the church is to maybe for a time move away from topical preaching. Nothing against topical preaching. It's fruitful. It's beneficial. But I don't know. I think there's something about going through the Bible verse by verse that holds the church accountable to preach the word of God through and through, whether we get canceled or not. Amen whether it sounds good or not. Because what we believe is that all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And so we don't wanna just talk about the pretty parts. We also wanna talk about the parts that will refine us, convict us, challenge us, shape us, mold us. And uh, so we're in the perfect book to do that. Pastor Jesse did an incredible job preaching last week. Every time this guy, yeah, yeah, you guys can celebrate him. I, I, I think he did... Man, I just, I appreciate your teaching gift, man. It's helpful. It's helpful for the body. And uh, there's a lot of times I, I'm not too ashamed to go to Jesse and say, so, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? Uh, you got any ideas for me? It's been so helpful to have him as a teammate. And he has this uh, vast knowledge of the word and the way that he's able to articulate it is just, he's, he's a blessing to this house. And why you were riding around on a moped with underwear on your face is beyond me. <laughs> But that's between you and God, man. That's between you and God. Yeah, so we have this guy, James. He's authoring a letter to Jews who are now believers. They've placed faith in Jesus to cover their sin. They've, uh, they're, they, they believe that the law is not what saves them, but it's Jesus. It's the blood of the lamb that saves them. And so they're experiencing persecution from Rome, but now they're also experiencing rejection from their Jewish brothers and sisters because they've placed faith in Christ as the Messiah. And so they're walking through it. This is a people that's walking through it. And James writes this letter uh, to address a couple of things that are happening in the church. But the, the, the intention of the letter is to cultivate spiritual maturity in the followers he's writing to. And so I want us to hold that in our heart as we come to this letter, as we heed these words, as we listen to what James has to say, we need to allow this word to do its work. Amen. So uh, here today I have verses five. Five through eight, I'll read this passage, I'll pray, and then I'll preach, all right? James 1, starting in verse five. James writes this to the believers. Remember, he's just said, uh, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. And so now he's moved into uh, this. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. Come on, no, no shortcuts, uh, uh, nothing confusing there. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
I'm grateful I get to preach this passage this morning. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray right now for an anointing upon myself that would allow for the preaching to be powerful and effective and catalyze transformation. I also pray, Holy Spirit, that you would till the soil of every heart in the room. Uh, Maybe there's a heart listening to this message on a podcast. Would you stir up the soil of their heart? Help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. We don't just want to come in here week after week, read your verses, nod our heads, shout that's good, and then walk out the exact same way. Uh, Lord, we, we need your spirit to help equip, empower, and enable us to apply this word to our lives. We want to be more like you, Jesus. So use this word to stir something up in us. Um, use it. Uh, let it let, let us hear it. Let us heed it so it produces fruit in our lives. I pray this church would continue to foster kids as well. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. Have you ever been asked to do something that you didn't quite know how to do, but you knew the expectation was that you should know how to do it? So... Uh, this has happened to me, and sometimes I'm prideful, all right? Just going to be honest with the room. And Admittedly, though, although it takes a hit on my own masculinity, most of you know who know me well, I'm not a builder, man. Not a builder. Not handy. Got a pair of boots. That's about as constructional, that's not a word, as I get. Like, it's just, it's just... Your boy just, I didn't grow up with the blue collar crowd and I want to fit in with y'all, but I just don't. I just, I don't. Um, I'd like to, but you know, when I took over, I was the youth pastor at a Republic campus before I came here and I was taking over the youth ministry from Pastor Steve. Some of you may know Pastor Steve, but this guy is, is renowned. Uh, for throwing parties, for just, you talk about a youth pastor who just goes above and beyond and just does crazy things. It was like, seriously, I have to follow this guy because I'm not a party thrower. I was coming out of a small little church in rural Missouri where I like had a Bluetooth speaker that we'd listen to for worship. That was about as fancy as we got. And so he's got streamers. And I think there was one time he wanted to drive up to Colorado to put snow in a truck to drive it back to have a snow ball fight in the winter or something crazy like he's just and so he he says to me he knows how to he knows how to build he knows how to construct he knows how to do all these things and he's and he's Mr. Fun and so we're strategizing how can we get some activities to better engage the youth and like what are some things we can implement he's like bro we need a uh, let's let's build a gaga ball pit y'all played gaga ball not a single person all right well it's a game, and, and he's like, you know, it's, it's set up like, a, like an octagon, and, you know, you just smack this ball around in it. He's like, man, let's just build, uh, let's build a gaga ball pit. And I'm like, well, how about we buy one? <laughs> and, you know, these things, you look, they're like $1,200 or super expensive. He goes, man, it would be way cheaper if we just built it. He goes, dude, just build it. He goes, it'll take you a couple hours. That's it. You just build it. And I'm just like... All right, you know, I could do that. Uh, Y'all, I kid you not. What was maybe supposed to take a couple hours. Abigail, it ended. It's, It's pitch black outside. Abigail's holding up the iPhone flashlight, and I'm like using saws and nails. This thing took me 10 to 14 hours to put together. 
It's almost like building an altar. It's still in the back of a Republic campus, just like sinking into the mud. I don't think anyone's touched it in years, and I don't blame them. I definitely, you know, I, I think the moral of the story, I, I think, is when James is writing to the church, he's essentially saying, don't be like Mark and, and try to muster up. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Yeah. Don't be like Mark and try to muster up the knowledge and the ability to do something you don't know how to do. He's saying, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. But he understands that's a whole perspective change. That takes spiritual maturity. That takes wisdom. They may not have the full ability to do that perfectly and effortlessly. Now, as you read the book of James, you know, we, we can read it and just be like, oh, we, we just need to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. But James is like, hey, this is going to be hard. It's going to challenge you. So you need to ask God for wisdom because he's going to help you with this perspective shift. He's going to give you what you need to live this thing out. James is almost saying, like, I know it's unrealistic for me to expect you'll just know how to do that perfectly immediately. So he writes in verse five, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. The same way I should have just asked for some help with the gaga ball pit. Amen. So this is good. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He'll give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. I don't know, does anyone else find it interesting that as you read this, as James writes what these believers need to ask for, as they navigate their trials and their troubles, he does not say, ask God for peace and he'll give it to you. He does not say, ask God for strength, ask God for grace. He doesn't even say, ask God for deliverance from your trials. What does he tell them to ask for? Ask God for wisdom. James implies that the thing they're going to need for this season is wisdom. Now, wisdom is more than just knowledge. We know that real wisdom is knowledge applied, right? It's not just about knowing it. It's about walking it out. James knows that wisdom is going to be what's needed for the believers so they don't waste the opportunity to receive the spiritual maturity that's buried in this season. We know that these trials and these troubles the church is walking through, God's using them for good. God's using them to produce something. It's an opportunity for spiritual maturity to take place within the believers, right? Believers are going to have to live with wisdom to use these circumstances for good and for God's glory. Really what I see James is doing here is he's teaching the church how to abide in Jesus. Now we've talked a lot about this this year, but I think more simple. I don't, I don't want to make it too plain, but he's basically writing to the church. Church is going to be walking through something hard. Man, I just, I don't know if I can keep going on with this. I just, I thought, God, I thought you were good. It's just, and, and James is like, for you to consider some things pure joy, you, you're going to need wisdom, but, but you can't just muster it up yourself. You need to receive it divinely from God, but ask him and he'll give it to you. And, and so he's teaching them, hey, as you walk through your trials, don't walk through your trials without talking to God, okay? As it gets hard, as the pressure gets turned up, God, I need wisdom, God, I, God, I need wisdom. He's teaching the believers to abide. I, I also read this verse and 
You know, I, uh, I read this verse and I, and I see an invitation to draw near to God, to our gracious God, because he loves to provide for his sons and his daughters. I was writing this message, you know, because when you read verse five, it says, if you need wisdom, ask a generous God, he'll give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. Like he's not gonna be annoyed by you asking. He's not gonna scoff at you asking. He, he loves to provide to his sons and his daughters. And I was just reading through this and, and, and thinking on it myself. I thought about my relationship with my own father. I remember in my senior year of high school, it, uh, we were getting to the end of the year. I had dated this girl for like two and a half years. My wife in the room? No, good, praise God. You mean your ex-girlfriend? If I don't say ex, she gets all upset. So, and, and I'm getting to this place. I'm about to go off for school, and we've dated for a long time. I'm feeling like I don't think this is the girl that I'm going to marry, and I'm just I'm struggling, man. And you know where I'm from, it's, it's not like Marshfield where you automatically marry your high school sweetheart. It's just not how it worked where I was from. So I, I said, you know, I'm like, you know, Dad, can we talk about this? I'll never forget. After church, we go to Applebee's. We sit across from each other. This is when they still had potato twisters. Praise God. Y'all remember those? And we just talked. We just talked. And guess what? He joyously agreed. So we sat at Applebee's in Wakefield, Rhode Island, and he gave me counsel and wisdom on how to move forward with a decision. He wasn't annoyed. He wasn't burdened by it. He, he was grateful for the opportunity to invest from his own resources what he had to give. This is God with you in every season of life. James is saying he's not going to be annoyed. He's not going to be burdened. You need wisdom. It's God. I'm reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 7. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? James is reminding the believers of, of a few things uh, with this statement in verse five. One, he's like, you're gonna need to lean into God in this season. You'll need his strength, grace, and empowerment to walk through the trials and tribulations of this season with the right perspective. You're gonna need wisdom to do it, so ask God for wisdom. But two, he also said, he's also making it clear that your earthly circumstances, they don't testify to the character of God. Okay, God is still good. He is for you. He, he is ready and willing to provide you with what you need in the season. May not be your preference, but don't get it twisted. He's present and he's producing good things in every season. Trust him. Amen. Some of us live lives where in the natural, I think we're unwilling to be as vulnerable as we need to be to ask for help. We, we feel this pressure that we should know it all we should be able to figure it out. We should, we should be able to deal with it all. I'm, uh, we're supposed to be smart enough. We're supposed to be strong enough. We're supposed to be brave enough. And, and, and you know what? Let, let me just set you free this morning. You're not. You're not. You're not strong enough. You're not brave enough. You're, you know, in different times. And I'm not either. I still get scared. I still get insecure. Sometimes I still hide that my feelings are hurt. I still put on a facade of confidence when I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I ain't the only one in the room. James is like, hey, 
You're gonna need wisdom. Don't pretend you have it. Don't just try to muster it up. Ask God. Be vulnerable enough to ask God, hey, I I need help. I I don't know what I'm doing. I I need you to infuse me with that which comes from you. And James says he won't think less of you. He'll be glad to do it. Now, as gracious as James is, you know, he kind of starts this thing off sweet. Listen, if you need wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you. No, No problem. He loves the give it to in sons and daughters. He's quick to get back to his strong tone that leaves believers with the responsibility to live active in their faith. Come on, you'll read this. You'll read this letter of James and James is just like haymaker after haymaker, but it's good for the spirit. A lot of punches, not a lot of hugs, but it's all right. He says this in verse six. But when you ask, Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. This is where things get a little dicey theologically because scripture in more than one place provides reasons that our receiving from God may be hindered. And James one, this spot right here is one of those places. In a commentary I was reading, I heard it stated like this, although nothing in God prevents him from giving wisdom to his people, a barrier may exist in them. I want to honor God's word. And although I don't think lack of faith is always the answer for unanswered prayers, I do think there are times lack of faith is what hinders us from receiving from God. Something we'll continuously learn as we read the scriptures is that God responds powerfully to faith. He responds to it. And so James says, if you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. If you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. But you've got to make up in your head and heart, God is good, God cares. He's not only able to provide it, but he's willing to. I need it. And I believe that he's going to provide it. James reiterates the point, do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Now, this exhortation sounds harsh in tone, but we have to keep the perspective that the spirit of God is authoring through the hand of James. So this is really the spirit of God through the hand of James, equipping the believers to live with stability in times of trouble. He's saying, life's gonna be hard. We're going to have some moments. You're going to have some moments. And if you don't learn to abide in Jesus and seek his wisdom as you go through the difficulties of life, you are going to be all over the place. Okay? If we can turn that air down to 68, that'd be beautiful too. In Jesus' name. He's saying if believers, if you will allow doubt and uncertainty to flood your mind, You'll, ex- you'll be unable to experience the stability in times of trouble that will, and, and so that'll cause this spiritual ebb and flow, like a wave reaching great hopeful heights, then crashing back down into the valley and will fail to experience the consistency of character and faithfulness we desire to live in as Christians. You know, p- part of the reason the ebb and flow is so dangerous 
that being tossed back and forth like uh, tossed by the wind is because we may experience major victories and high times, but then we can make incredibly poor choices that dramatically affect our lives in the low times. Come on, y'all ever known somebody like this? It's like when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, ah. And this is, this is signs of spiritual immaturity. And James is trying to get us to a place where we're steady, faithful, eyes fixed on Jesus. Uh, but what's so dangerous about if, if we allow our circumstances if, if, to dictate where we're at and how we respond and, and what our obedience looks like. You know, he talks about this divided loyalty between God and the world. I get concerned. All it takes is, is a moment of being really, really low where it has dramatic effects on our life while we're here on earth. We, we can make and incredibly poor choices that will affect our lives in low times. I think about divorces that happened and it was in a low season. I, I think about the way we wounded our loved ones in a low season because our ebb and flow, the responsibility we neglected in a low season. And James knows that if these believers just give in to their flesh, give in to their doubts, give in to their unbelief and their uncertainty, there will be moments that they don't honor God, but instead they honor their flesh. And anytime we honor our flesh, it's never fruitful or beneficial for us or others. Now God can use it for good, right? We know that. But in the moment, it'll, it'll take us out from under God's best. James is wanting to cultivate and stir up a new spiritual fervor and spiritual maturity in believers. So he continues on. He says, if your loyalties are divided, if you're double-minded, he says this in verse seven, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so not only will it hinder some of our circumstances and situations, but it will affect how we receive from the Lord. These are the verses I find myself uh, wanting to bail God out. You know, how can I justify this and make it not sound as bad? But it says what it says, man. James goes on in verse eight. It's like their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they're unstable in everything they do. James 1 verses 7 through 8 says, for such a person ought not to think, I'm reading this out of the uh, Amplified Version. It says, for such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways and everything he thinks, feels, or decides. The original Greek expression, expression of this word, word double-minded was like being double-spirited as if his soul was divided between God and the world. Essentially, James is describing a man that is a hypocrite who occasionally believes God, but fails to trust God in difficult times, resulting in him receiving nothing. 
while reading and studying this passage, it was hard for me not to think about Mark 9 because I think in Mark 9, we have this picture. Um, you know, you have James. He's like, man, if, man, when you walk through hard times, if you're gonna consider it pure joy, you need to ask God for wisdom because you're gonna need wisdom. If you try to do it yourself and just navigate through it and muster it up and, 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 and think and, or pretend you have wisdom, he's like, there's gonna be this ebb and flow in your life and it will hinder the way that you receive from God, Right? And, and so it looks like this pretty picture of like, just ask for wisdom and then you'll keep going on. But, but I think it's a little bit more messy than that. And I think we see it in nine. Now, before I get into this, we got 12 people total getting baptized this morning. Come on, is that incredible? So Pastor Jesse is gonna meet with you guys out at the welcome table. We have t-shirts for you guys and then we'll bring you back in at the end of service. So if you're getting baptized, you can follow Pastor Jesse out into the lobby. Uh, worship team, you can come. Come on, gotta love 12 people getting baptized. That's awesome, praise God. But I thought about what we see in Mark 9 because we, we get this example of a man who's walking through a trial, a difficulty, and he's wanting to trust God and believe God's goodness and power is at work and believing that he's able to provide what's needed. And so he's, 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 he's tr trying to believe. Let's just, let's just read it together. Mark 9, verse 20. There's this boy who's been struggling with some sort of oppression on his life. And so it says, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, the evil spirit that was present in the boy, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground. He's foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked. And the boy's father replied, since he was a little boy. He says the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. This boy's got a suicidal spirit on his life. Dad goes, have mercy on us. Help us if you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? What do, you, what do you mean if I can? He says, anything's possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I, I, I do believe, I, I do, I, I'm, I'm trying to believe, I, I, I do, but help my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. This is the wrestle. This is the tension. This, this doesn't discourage the heart of God. This is real life. This is, this is behind the pretty Instagram picture of what James writes. Ask for God, you know, to help and he'll, and he'll give it generously. Don't doubt. And it's like when James writes it, that's what it looks like perfectly. But this is what it looks like practically. God, I'm struggling. It's been hard. This has been happening for a long time. I'm, I'm trying to trust. I, I know that you're able, but... Sometimes 
I got, I don't know. Maybe I do have unbelief to help me. Help me. And when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you, come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd and the people said, he's dead, yeah, he's dead. What just happened? But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet and stood up. See, some of y'all may listen to Pastor Jesse preach last week. I, I preached the message at Rep. And you hear it and you're like, okay, consider it pure joy. Some of y'all are walking through some unbearable, unimaginable pain. Maybe it's just something that, I, I don't know what y'all are, everybody's walking through something. And if you haven't, then you will. The Bible promises you're going to have troubles. And it's like, man, I'm trying, like I'm trying to consider it pure joy. And you've almost felt discouraged because you haven't been able to do that. It's just been like, and you just feel, I don't know, maybe you find yourself in this unwavering moment. And I just want to say, maybe Maybe you've been trying to muster it up yourself, muster up your own wisdom. There's knowledge that you're supposed to consider it pure joy, but I don't know, maybe there's an abiding that needs to happen, a conversation that needs to happen. God, I need your help. Help, help, help me with my perspective. God, God, I'm, I'm hyper-stressed. God, I'm, God, I, I wanna go back to the bottle. God, I've been loving them. I've been being kind. I'm ready. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to walk away. I just, whatever, whatever it is, it's God. God, would you, would you help? Would you help? Give me your wisdom. Give me your wisdom. Any unbelief that I have, God, I, I don't want to be wavering. I don't want to be in the ebb and the flow where, I, where I'm postured to not receive. I want everything that you have, so help me believe what it looks like practically see it in this father just I do believe but help mom believe you know the beauty of the gospel man is uh, you and I were broken people you and I were born with hearts bent towards evil Nothing we could do about it. This world is, is fractured. The sin of man is in the seed of man. And all of us have earthly parents. And so you and I got this disease called sin. And the wages of sin is death. You and I deserve death, eternal death. But God looks upon humanity and he says, I love them. I want to rescue them. I want to save them. And so he sends his son Jesus to earth. He lives a perfect life. He lives a life that we could never live, accomplishes things we can never accomplish, dies a criminal death on a cross, but it would be this moment on the cross that he would take on the sin of the world, that he would take on the wrath of God, and he would become a sacrifice that would then, if we believe, cover the, cover the, uh, the sin that lives in us. And he would impart his righteousness to us through faith. He would impart his goodness to us. 
And so, man, man here's the deal. Like, and, and, and we get to receive it by faith. We, we get to receive it by believing his sacrifice was sufficient. And here's what I love. He, he, he isn't interested in just saving you. Man, his, his word says that we were created through him and for him, but it, but it says we're his masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do good things he prepared long in advance. Doesn't want to just save you, wants to put his spirit in you and give you power to live this thing out, to live with wisdom, to make kingdom impact. And man, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's when you place faith in Jesus, the Godman who came, it's like, man, everything can change. Everything can change. And so today as we baptize 12 people, I think we got four in this service and, and the rest will be in the next service. We're celebrating with them the decision they've made to go public with their faith. You know, ba baptism is important. It's, it's symbolic that Christ was put in the grave, but he was raised to life in power. Jesus commanded us, go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is also a public declaration to everybody in the room, to their church family. This is an accountability moment. As they go under that water and come up out of that water, they're proclaiming to all of you, man, I'm in this for real. I'm not turning back. I believe Jesus is Lord. I'm a follower. I'm in the family. Y'all ready to watch some baptisms?